0: Support for this podcast and the following message come from Gaia.com, the on-demand streaming TV service that helps you achieve your highest potential at your convenience. To get your first month at only 99 cents, visit gaia.com forward slash My7Chakras My7Chakras, episode 226
1: That courage was not the absence of fear but the triumph over it. The brave man is not he who does not feel afraid, but he who conquers that fear.
2: To my seven chakras. And now your host, Aditya Jai Kumar.
0: What's up, Action Tribe? AJ here, founder and host of My Seven Chakras, the show where we dive deep into the ancient world to uncover nuggets of wisdom that will help you find your life's purpose. So if you have a burning question about the mysteries around you and the mysteries within you, then you are at the right spot. But before we get into today's interview, Uh, I've got a quick announcement to make. Uh, After doing over 220 interviews, I've learned that you guys just love our book recommendations because we do share a book at the end of each show. Uh, And uh, many of you note them down, but sometimes, especially if you're in transit, it becomes difficult to take notes or to note these books down. So what I did was I put together a reading list containing 21 must-read spiritual books as shared on our show. And I want you to have that. So to download your copy, all you have to do is visit this link, my 7 forward slash reading list. That's my 7 forward slash reading list. As soon as you share your email, you'll get the download link in your email so that you can, uh, you know, just go through what books, what are the top books that have been shared on our show and if you feel that there's a book that needs to be on that list let me know via facebook or email my id as always is aj at my seven the seven is a word not a digit aj at my sevenchakras.com. and with that it's now time to bring you our special guest for today uh, who is bailey gaddis so bailey Are you ready to inspire? I am AJ. (laughs) Great, great. So Bailey Gaddis is a mother, author of Feng Shui Mommy, Creating Balance and Harmony for Blissful Pregnancy, Childbirth and Motherhood. A childbirth preparation educator, birth doula, hypnotherapist, and contributor to working mother pregnancy and newborn, Disney's Babel, The Huffington Post, Cosmopolitan Write Book, Expectful Uh, elephant journal scary mommy and other publications that are into her style of weaving words she continuously finds inspiration for her writing via the stream of consciousness flowing out of out of her son's mouth and the insane shenanigans she witnesses during births and at the park before nap time so really interesting uh story i did go through her book uh in preparation for today's show and i can't wait to dive uh dive into some of the questions that i have but uh till that time Bailey, thank you so much for taking your time to chat with me today
1: it's my pleasure i'm looking forward to it
0: wonderful so you know your book is a lot about inspiration and also actionable steps that uh expecting mothers as well as expecting families can take to prepare for the occasion. So let's start with some inspiration. My question to you is, what is your favorite inspirational quote and how does that apply in your life?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So this is a quote by Nelson Mandela and it is, I learned that... Courage was not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. The brave man is not he who does not feel afraid but he who conquers that fear and, and I have this written all over the place in my house it's in my phone it's everywhere because I am somebody that uh, feels very deeply, and I you know I have plenty of fears and and I have to work with those on a daily basis. But what I've learned is, you know, when I move through it, you know, when I face something that I'm nervous about or I'm fearful of or I have anxiety about, and I and I push through the the emotions, the sense of freedom that live on the other side of that um, are intoxicating in so many ways. And and you know, even if I face a fear and I seem to fail in some way, you know, the outcome is not what I expected. I still feel that sense of freedom because I realized, okay, I, I pushed through that and I didn't die. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I did it. So, um, you know, and I think that applies especially to, you know, pregnancy, childbirth. I write so much about, you know, fear and, and moving through it, you know, feeling fearful and doing it anyways. And um, yeah, so I just really, really think that, that that quote is incredibly inspirational.
0: Wonderful. Thanks a lot for sharing that amazing quote. Action Tribe, I think this is a really profound moment over here. Fear, false evidence appearing real. Uh, It's true. You know, we all face fears irrespective of who we are. If you, you know, evolve to the next stage of success, for example, you have different types of fear. So we all have fears uh, no matter who we are. But the solution is not to just be in denial of those fears. But to consciously acknowledge those fears, find out what you fear or what are those things you fear. And then if that is within your goal of overcoming it, then, you know, have a plan and take small steps every time. You get a chance to overcome that fear because as we're learning in each episode, there's a powerful effect of the compound effect. You know, you don't have to overcome your entire fear completely, but if you take small steps over a period of time, you'll be surprised at how well you have overcome you your fear. So thanks a lot for sharing that uh, wonderful quote, um, Bailey. And with that, let's dive in. Uh, let's move on to your book. Uh, what inspired you to write your book, Feng Shui? mommy
1: yeah well when i was moving through the the pregnancy with my son i you know devoured every book every video every class that that i could get to and and while you know i felt very informed i didn't really feel empowered to make my own choices um you know i felt like like I was going to disappoint somebody no matter what decision I made. And, and that's really where my motivation was, you know, in pleasing everyone around me and, and not really going within and figuring out like, okay, but what really intuitively feels right to me. So that was part of it. And when my son was about three months old, I had this moment. It It was about 3am and he and I were both crying and I, I just felt so overwhelmed. I felt like I just didn't know what to do. And so I asked myself, you know, if I had a wonderful wise woman in front of me, what would she tell me? What, what do I need to hear right now? And so I just wrote down what I needed to hear. And, and soon after. After that, I started teaching childbirth preparation. I became a birth doula because I really wanted to support other women in any way I could. And when I was teaching one class, I found these notes that I had written and I, I shared them with the women and asked, are these helpful to you? Do they even make any sense? And they said, yeah, you know, this is really interesting and you have more of it. Um, And I didn't. So that's when I started working on the proposal. You know, I really, in so many ways, wrote the book that I needed to read. And the crux of the book in so many ways is, is informing the woman, but then empowering her to tune into what feels best for her and to really, you know, craft her own experience and to follow her own path. So I don't tell the woman, you know, this is the birth you need to have, but I I kind of open it up for her. So again, she she can have the experience or at least make the decisions that feel right for her, which I really believe then lead her into the experience she's meant to have.
0: Got it. Now, your book is called Feng Shui Mommy. So for those who are new to Feng Shui, what is it and how does it fit into pregnancy or giving birth?
1: Yeah, so to put it really simply, feng shui is the ancient Chinese art of harmonizing humans with the energy in our surrounding environments. And before I became pregnant, I was a home organizer in Los Angeles, and I actually worked a lot with women who were designing their nurseries. And I helped them, you know, apply really simple feng shui principles into that space. Um and I have a, a chapter in the book that that shares those principles. Um, And so I thought that was really interesting. And I'm somebody that's very, very affected by the energy around me. But when I was working on the proposal, I thought, okay, but what about, you know, the energy within us and our mind and our body and our our spirit? How do we become harmonized with that energy? How do we balance that energy? And so I I kind of (laughs) created my, my own definition of feng shui. You know, I flipped it around a little bit, but um, you know, it's still, it still applies, you know, and it's about feeling, again, harmonized not just in our surrounding environment, but in the inner environment that we're living in.
0: Because mm-hmm. we're looking at different types of environments, right? One is the environment that you live in. And the other environment is like you're stating right now is the internal environment, which drives so ma- so many of our emotions and thoughts and our actions. And then you have your baby's environment, which is within you. So a lot of different environments, but I'm so uh uh you know glad that you were able to transcend beyond just the physical environment which uh a lot of what feng shui talks about but you know utilize that to look into the physical the mental and the spiritual as well based on your previous work as as home organizer which i think is amazing you were able to utilize those experiences and realize the importance of that environment and take the feedback of people who you were working with and then get the idea of writing your book now you're also a doula is that correct yes yes what what does a doula do
1: yes so i am a birth doula so i support women in the the prenatal period and then i'm with them at the birth itself and and what a doula is a birth doula is we provide physiological and emotional support so we don't do anything medical but we support the women the woman during birth with things like, you know, massage, pressure points, I help to create a really serene environment. Um, If she has questions, you know, about anything that her care provider shared, um, I can help to, to explain, you know, certain terms to just make her feel more at peace with the experience. And I'm also supporting her birth companion. So he or she can feel more, more informed, more prepared, and a lot of times, what I'm doing is helping the women and, and the birth, birth companions work through, you know, the, those fears that we were just talking about as they're moving through the birth process. Um, I again, I'm really doing everything but again providing that medical support you know I'm there for the woman in whatever way she needs me emotionally and physiologically
0: got it and as you said that I do recall that I think I had a doula as well when I was born and uh, if I'm not mistaken she did she was with me after the birth as well I mean after the birthing period and then she helped my mother uh, like you said, phys- uh, you know, physiologically and emotionally, she 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 used to give me some exercise from time to time during the first couple of months. I think does, does that right. also uh, involve what you do, like you know, for the baby?
1: Yes, yes. So there are also postpartum doulas, and what they do uh-huh. is they usually come into the home maybe two or three times a week, sometimes up to you know three or four months, and um and I I do a little part of my uh, birth doula offerings is that I do go back into the home about twice, right after the baby is born, and I spend some time with the mom and the baby, you know, supporting them with breastfeeding, if that's what they're choosing to do. Um, you know, the mom can ask me any any question that's coming up, and I support her with that. Um, I'm also a hypnotherapist, so we sometimes do some hypnosis, mainly for relaxation, helping to ex- expedite the healing process. Um, And I also I volunteer for a program in the town that I live in. And in so many ways, I, I act as a postpartum doula for this organization. And for them, I, I go into the home of usually, you know, a young or a single mother, I'm there two days a week for anywhere from, you know, one and a half to two or three hours. And I do things like the dishes or I hold the baby while the mom showers, um, you know, things that seem really simple but make such a difference in, in the postpartum world of the mother and the baby. And in so many ways, that's some of the most fulfilling work that I do because in a lot of ways, that postpartum p- Period, that, that fourth trimester, the first three months after baby is born, is almost the most challenging phase of, of that, that initial journey. So it's, um, it's really important for women to feel supported during that time.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, you said that there are certain fears that worry soon-to-be mothers during pregnancy. And prevent them from being in the moment, right? So, could you talk to us about what are some of these fears that we are talking about?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've seen all sorts of fears. No, nothing is off limits, but the primary ones um, are definitely that. You know, number one, can my body do this? You know, even though we know that babies are mm. born every day, we still have that fear. Like, is my body capable of this, though? You know, um, the the opening of the body can be really intimidating. Um, so there's that aspect, mm-hmm. you know, the, the physical side. Um, there is the the mental aspect of it, you know, especially if the woman is going through it without any medication. Um, the sensations can be incredibly overwhelming. Um, there are sensations that she's likely never felt before. And so that can can bring up uh, so many doubts. Um, and then there's how, you know, being a parent is going to affect their career, their relationships, mm-hmm. their home. And a lot of times those come up when the woman is actually moving through childbirth. Um, I had one woman right in the middle of birth and, and suddenly she said, I, I'm afraid that my husband won't find me desirable anymore. She was so afraid of that. Um, she was afraid of how the changes that her body was going through. The, the changes that her life was going through, how that would affect the intimacy of her relationship. Um, that is a big one with a career. You know, so many of us identify so profoundly with our career. You know, we mm. think of it as like who we are sometimes. And so when the woman is having to shift, you know, how she exists in that world, Mm -hmm. you know, in her career and her creativity, that can really throw her off. And she can feel like she's sometimes losing a piece of herself. So that's something else that I often work with. Um, Sometimes before they actually move into childbirth. But again, there's something about the enormity of childbirth itself that can open up, you know, a lot of these concerns. And um, yeah, so I work with women often during that period to, to talk through them. And and not to say that we completely dissolve those fears, but so often when you can just voice them and talk about them, it takes away a lot of the power of that fear.
0: Absolutely. Like you spoke uh, about numerous uh, factors here, firstly, career like uh, we all know a lot of us associate ourselves, our identity with our careers because we take many years to sort of develop and build them, get promotions or get acceptance from the company and the place that we're working in. And uh, uh, so that's the career part. You spoke about the mental and the emotional uh, uh, you know, uh, feelings that, that, that sort of uh, come up during the first, second and third and fourth trimester during the phase uh, before giving birth, and you also spoke about the physical, right? Uh, can my own body do this? And as you spoke about that, it's quite fascinating to really note that a baby can come out you know, uh, through such a small enclosure and then think about (laughs) triplets, right? That's that's even more difficult to even fathom. So this is indeed a wonderful miracle that takes place during this period. But let's look at the collective or things that that are happening on a larger scale. Uh, I think you mentioned that the birthing culture in the U.S., at least right now, is at a crisis point. Is that true?
1: Yes, it is. I'm Women, in so many ways, again, are not empowered, are not feeling empowered to make their own choices, and what happens when the woman is not feeling empowered is oftentimes she is steamrolled by the opinions of everyone around her, um, and in so many ways this can disconnect her from the experience, and it can create you know, mental blocks, it can create physical blocks, and And the C-section rate in the United States is incredibly high. Um, And yeah, and while it is not the only cause of maternal mortality, um, it's a big factor. And, you know, and on one hand, we're incredibly lucky that that can be an option for women that really need it. Um, that have a medical emergency, you know, that have a medical situation that requires that. And then I know women, I've supported women that have had beautiful cesarean births um, and they they really needed them. But in a lot of cases, women that don't actually need them are being encouraged to to have Mm. C-sections. And this can greatly increase the risk of infection, of bleeding, there's so many more risks that Mm -hmm. come with, you know, having that really invasive surgery. And, you know, and and if the woman, again, is a good candidate to have a vaginal birth, but she instead has a cesarean birth, she's at a a greater risk, you know, again, for that infection, for the bleeding, for those different complications. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, and it's, it's creating a, a pretty high maternal mortality rate. The United States has, very, very high, high rate of maternal mortality. And, and that's something that I think we all need to be looking at. We need to be figuring out how can we shift that. Um, and again, I think one of the, the best ways is for women to ask questions, to be empowered, to ask those questions. If they're being told, you know, you really need to have a birth to ask, okay, why, you know, and, and really determine without a doubt that that is, or that isn't, you know, the best decision for them. And and I say without a doubt, but that, that can be hard, you know, to, to know like hundred percent, this is the right or the wrong decision, but, but to really, again, feel like she's fully informed as much as she can be and then you know use that that gut instinct to then make her choice um of course with the guidance of a, a trained medical professional and and her partner as well got
0: it now uh you know moving away from the u.s how is the birthing culture in other countries different from that in the u.s have you had a chance to sort of compare and contrast
1: yeah absolutely i you know you look at a country like um or a continent like africa and so many of the countries there the way women birth is so organic. Um and again, unfortunately, so many of these countries they they don't have, you know, the modern medicine that we have here. So in the rare case that the woman actually needs that medical care so often they don't have it. Um and so that that is something that hopefully can shift. But that aside, if the woman, is having a normal natural birth so many of these women they they don't have that fear that we have in our culture you know that fear that this is the most painful experience to ever go through and and it's dangerous and you know all of these um misconceptions about birth and so so many women in africa you know they they feel their baby coming when the baby is crowning, they squat down, they receive their baby. I've heard stories of the woman doing that. And then she wraps the baby up on her chest. She mops up the floor and then goes about her her daily tasks. I mean, it's just so much more organic. And it's seen as this natural process in those countries. Um, same with many countries in Europe. You know, midwives are really, really popular um, for mm. women that are good candidates for it. Home births are incredibly popular. I mean, it's just seen, again, as this natural function of the body and and women don't have as much fear around that experience
0: got it got it so thanks a lot for providing that perspective it's really interesting to note what happens in other countries right and so that we could uh so that the u.s people in the u.s can incorporate different aspects that are working on in different countries because i myself i'm in canada close to the u.s (laughs) but not quite so uh, (laughs) according to your experience and the work that you've done what is an optimal near uh, perfect birthing experience like you know or, or, or what are we looking oh, at
1: that's a great qu- question yeah so in my opinion an optimal birth would be a birth where the woman feels like her her voice her opinions her ideas were respected and honored throughout mm. the whole journey um it means that so often in birth not everything goes the way we plan. Uh, that's almost a given. Um, but that, you know, when those changes occurred, she and I, I keep going back to the word empowered, but she felt empowered to ask questions, to make her, her own choices. Um, And and in my opinion, you know, you can have a beautiful, optimal birth regardless of whether it was unmedicated, medicated, whether well, whether it was a cesarean birth, you know, as long as you feel like your voice is heard, like you're able to make decisions, that you feel trust in your body and in your baby, that you can have an optimal birth. Um, so again, there's not like this box that an optimal birth fits in. It can be really flexible as long as again the the woman feels good about it and she feels empowered. I got
0: it. Well, thanks a lot for that. Uh, now speaking about the stages of pregnancy, your book uh, is divided into four parts, first through the fourth trimester. Is that correct? Yes, yes. So, so how are these trimesters different from one another? Uh,
1: yeah, so so the first trimester, in some ways, um, can be one of the most overwhelming, you know, especially for women that weren't aren't necessarily planning on becoming pregnant, you know, there are so many changes that begin to happen, um, with so many of the pregnancy symptoms like nausea, dizziness, they are the most pronounced in this first trimester. So while the woman doesn't have that big belly, she's still really feeling that pregnancy. And again, every woman is different with how they experience that. But but often that's where those those changes are felt, you know, because her hormones are shifting. I mean, her body is is going through this um, miraculous upheaval that yep. can be really really, really overwhelming. And emotionally, you know, she's, she's coming to terms with the fact that her life is forever changing. So, so that's a period where, again, those big emotions are coming up, those big physical sensations are coming up um and then transitioning into the second trimester a lot of people call the second trimester the golden trimester because so often this is where a lot of those physical symptoms start to settle down she starts to have more energy she's not as fatigued emotionally she's now a little bit more used to the idea you know that she's pregnant that she's having a baby and she can get into you know some of the more exciting aspects, like thinking about you know where the baby is going to live in the house, and you know planning that baby shower, or you know whatever she's excited about, she has more more space in her life and her mind now to, to focus on those things. And now this is when her belly is starting to appear, so she starts to feel more pregnant and in, in that way. And then moving into the third trimester, this is a time where Things are getting real. You know, you're getting close to the, the birth of your baby. Um, this is where some women can start to feel a little bit uncomfortable again just because oftentimes their, their belly, their, their baby is so big at this point. You know, they might have some more of the heartburn, the lower back pain. Some of those, you know, emotions, those fears might start coming up again as the birth of their, their baby is, is nearing. And it's... Yeah, it's really the the pinnacle of change because at the end of that third trimester, she's going to have that baby, and and it's a miracle. It's beautiful, but it can also be incredibly overwhelming. Um, and so the the word overwhelming <laughs> takes me into the fourth trimester, where on um, that's and again I said it earlier, it is considered the first three months of baby's life outside of the womb, and and while the the baby is no longer in the mother's body this can for some women be the most overwhelming um, I know I keep saying that but I, I say that about the fourth trimester because you know when the woman is pregnant when the baby is in her body really all she needs to do is take care of her her own health her own needs you know keep her emotions somewhat under control you know by med- meditation journaling whatever she needs to do but now the baby is outside of her body. So she is still needing to take care of her own needs, but she's also needing to take care of the needs of the baby that is now outside of her, you know, and she's almost doing double duty now. And, and this is a big transition period, you know, asking for help, figuring out, you know, who this little human is, you know, it's a big getting to know you process. So, so that's why I wanted to make sure to include the fourth trimester in the book, because I really really think that that women need a lot of support with that trimester um, I know that I did even though I have a ton of, of support around me I still felt like I, I needed more more information
0: got it now uh, you know moving before you' taking a couple of steps back from the fourth trimester and a sl- slightly towards the end of the third trimester could you talk to us about what it's like during the first or the final few hours uh, before giving birth maybe you could talk about your experiences
1: yeah yeah. Are you um, asking before the woman actually goes into labor? Yes. Yeah. So oftentimes, even if the woman isn't feeling, you know, those initial signs of, of labor, there is something emotional that shifts. You know, mm-hmm. she has this like maternal instinct that that something is changing, you know, something in her world is is shifting, and and it's interesting. You know, one one thing that that happens there's this instinctual need to nest. And while a lot of women do that, you know, throughout the the full third trimester, there's something, yeah, interesting that happens in those last few hours before they actually go into labor. They. They have this st- strong need to make sure that their their sanctuary, their home, is is just right, you know, and is this this space that they can really burrow into. So that's something that happens. Um, also, you know, the need to really spend some quality time with their partner, or if they already have a child, you know, to. Ha- Have those those final moments with their their current nuclear family where they can really, you know, relish each other, because, again, their family is about to forever change. It will never be the same. And so taking that time can be really, really special. You know, um, I had one client and she said she didn't know that she was going into labor, but she just had had this instinctual need to just go and lay down with her three-year-old and cuddle with her daughter, smell her hair, you know, just really savor Mm. that child that she already had before she birthed a new one. So, So those are the two biggest things that I think occur right before going into labor.
0: Wonderful. So what I'm getting is obviously a lot of change, not just physical change, but mental, emotional change. And especially, you know, A couple of hours before actually giving birth, it's about that instinct to be closer to members of your family, because you know, that there's going to be a new addition to the family. And you you talk about three aspects of holistic birthing in your book, which is, you know, considering the mental, the physical and spiritual, right? So how does a mother go about working on her mind uh, during this phase?
1: Yeah, so I think, you know going through the process of kind of you know opening up the mind and exploring what what is in there um and then not just in relation to the fears you know but to think like okay who am i you know and and analyzing those aspects of herself and and realizing how her mind works um and i i'm, I'm a hypnotherapist and so i work yeah. a lot with that mind body connection specifically during birth and realizing that you know the the script that we have in our mind about who we are, about the capabilities of our body, um, especially our our preconceived notions about birth. You know, that's another script that so many of us have in our mind and, and figuring out, okay, what's working? You know, what's in my mind that I really love, you know, that's serving me and what's not working? And so, So that's why every chapter in the book has like a, it's about 15 minutes, each one, um, 15 minute relaxation recording. And this is a form of, um, hetero hypnosis, somebody else putting you into the state of hypnosis and this supports the process of, of reprogramming the mind and, and putting in messages about birth, about the woman's life that are really, um, favorable, and, and a big, this, this helps in a lot of ways, but one of the, the biggest ways it can help is d- during the, the birth process itself, because so often we have the word pain, right? Um, in our mind, it's attached to birth for so many women, especially, um, in, in our culture. And what this does is when the woman is actually in birth, her mind is sending the, the signal of pain to the body and the body responds with create pain. And so if the woman can start to reprogram how she thinks about birth and about the sensations attached to birth, she can actually transform, you know, how her body experiences birth. So I think that's a really big thing that the woman can do with her mind during during pregnancy to make that experience easier. And and once she's able to start reprogramming, you know, the, the more negative, the less beneficial scripts in her mind, then her whole life starts to open up and she starts seeing more possibilities where she starts to connect with her, her own power.
0: Mm-hmm. Completely agree with the part of experiencing pain and how the brain reacts, and then looking at that pain and changing your relationship with that pain, uh, and then seeing so many other opportunities open up in front of you, even after the birthing process, right? Because you've changed your relationship With pain and your brain has created those neural pathways and so now all of a sudden you look at challenges pain you know uh, difficulties all in a new light and you're able to achieve so much more because of this natural process of birth so thanks a lot for putting that into perspective Uh, let's move on to the physical now you know the body what are some things that a mother needs to consider as far as having a healthy body is considered during this process
1: right right so another, you know, really popular misconception that so many women have is that, oh, when I'm pregnant, you know, I can just sit around and eat eat ice cream, eat whatever I want. And that'll be great. Um, And I had that. (laughs) I I thought like, yeah, that's what I'll do when I'm pregnant. And I think I did that for a few days. And I realized, oh, my gosh, I just feel horrible. Like I, my pregnancy symptoms are exaggerated. I feel bloated. I I don't feel good. So I think, you know, really resetting her nutrition, you know, what she eats. Um, I have never been healthier than when I was pregnant. I was so conscious of every bit of food that i put into my body. I'm sure I still had some treats, but I I felt like, you know, every bite of food I was taking was like a building block for my baby. So I encourage women to explore, you know, what types of foods help to build different parts of their baby's body? You know, what types of foods will give them more energy? What types of food? Foods will reduce nausea, you know, really get curious about nutrition and, and this will make it more fun. You know, it'll make it more enjoyable to eat those healthy foods that, that maybe she didn't enjoy much before pregnancy. And she'll feel like she's really taking an active role in, in building this, this healthy, this healthy baby and, and really enhancing the health of her body so it can birth easier. Um, and then movement. Movement is so crucial during pregnancy. Um, this is something else I was afraid of. I thought, oh, if I keep exercising, my my. Amy might fall out or I mean, all these ridiculous thoughts that are not true. Um, And so when I started to exercise again during pregnancy, it completely transformed not just my body, but my emotions. Um, Every time I would wake up and if I was feeling sad or stressed out, if I would just go for a walk or go for like a really light jog or do some kind of movement, go for a swim, my emotions would shift and I would have a more fresh perspective on everything. I would feel more positive about my body, about my body's ability. So I think moving every day in whatever way the woman feels good in doing is, is so crucial. Um, up until, you know, I mean, unless she's put on bed rest, you can go on those walks, you know, do your exercise up until the moment that you give birth.
0: Oh, absolutely. I think this can be a bit confusing for mothers at this phase especially if you see things that are happening on TV, right? So on one end, you know, you have people telling you to rest, you know, take rest, relax, eat whatever right. you want. Right. And on the other spectrum, you have, I think there was a Olympic athlete or some other athlete who actually ran a sprint. Yes. I think a hundred yes. meter sprint while pregnant. And so they look at these people and, and wonder whether I'm capable of that. So, you know, finding the middle path, so to speak, Uh, can be a bit daunting. So thanks for sharing that. Uh, And moving on to the spirit now, how do you how do you go about helping your readers um, develop spiritually during this is.
1: Yeah, so this can feel, you know, really abstract to some women and um and so in the book I try to offer, you know, really clear ways that they can connect with um you know whatever they define as their spirit. You know, we all have different ways of experiencing that. Um so I have, you know, different activities, you know, like journaling for me Journaling really gives me this like insight into to who I truly am. Um, and to me, that's how I define my spirit, you know, who I truly am. Not everybody will, you know, have that same definition, but that's how I connect with it. Um, and, and it's interesting because, you know, thinking about what I just said about the mind and the body, it's all connected to the spirit. Spirit as well, you know. It's holistic. You know, it's all it's all connected. Um, but I notice, you know, when I'm exercising, I feel more connected to my spirit, to that that higher power. Um, I feel this like deep sense of okayness, and and so I think when women can start diving into that, you know, to their authentic self, to what makes them feel like them, they feel. They feel like, okay, no matter what, everything is going to be okay. You know, that no matter what changes, I still have me. You know, I still have my soul, my spirit. And and it's interesting, one of the, I, I've had a lot of questions about the special circumstances chapter, and and a lot of that is heavy on, on the spirit, because I really believe, you know, our mind is so afraid of the unknowns. There's so many unknowns in life, but especially during the journey into motherhood and I feel like when we're afraid of those unknowns the spirit is what can really support us through that you know realizing that okay I can't control everything but this this higher power that my spirit is connected to whatever you want to call that higher power you know it's it's crafting these experiences for a reason and and I feel like the the spirit is what can can guide us through that so Yeah, all of the spirit chapters in the book are really focused on feeling okay with what's happening feeling okay with who we are
0: wonderful so i know that there are different types of people reading your book you know some that are more in touch with their spirituality some that might be on the path of discovering spirit but you can be assured that people who are listening to the show are all very comfortable with uh, spirituality uh, irrespective of how abstract it might seem so is there a strategy or a technique that you have for someone listening to the show right now who you know to get more in touch with their spiritual side
1: Yeah. So I I know this is a tool or a practice that is talked about a lot, but I think it's talked about so much because it's so effective and that Mm. is meditation. Um, And there's so many different ways you can do that. But, you know, for me, just sitting in a quiet room and closing my eyes is what really helps me connect to my spirit because I stop obsessing about, you know, all the to dos in my life and analyzing everything. You know, I just kind of let my mind go free. And after at least for me, like 10, 15 minutes, I start to feel this like really interesting connection to to the spirit, to my spiritual self. And usually, I meditate for like a minimum of 30 minutes, which is harder when you have a child. Um, And so, I'll talk about in a minute, you know, ways that you can still have that meditation when you're really busy with a a baby. But I feel like that can be a really great first step into, you know, connecting with that spirituality. And what I tell moms who are like, oh my God, I can't even find five minutes to myself. You know, how am I going to meditate for 30 minutes? And so, for them, I I say, you can spring. Moments of meditation throughout your day, and so, for example, you know if they're if they're holding their child, you know to just take a moment to like really feel the sensation of holding that that sweet baby, of listening to their breath, you know, be really present for a moment with that baby. Meditate on your baby, um, you know, when you have that first sip of like warm tea in the morning to notice what it feels like for that liquid to go down your throat to notice what it feels like you know as your mind starts waking up if you come across a really beautiful plant to take a moment to, to touch it to really absorb the essence of it um to just be more more present in your day and i feel like when we start doing that spirituality really organically just starts flowing into our life
0: oh absolutely i think mindfulness in everyday life can be so powerful. Even if you don't have time to, you know, uh, be, be alone or close your eyes and meditate for uh, 10 to 15 minutes, if you're really busy, uh, then you can just use mindfulness. And I think someone said it along the lines of, you know, if you're cutting vegetables, cut vegetables. If you're talking to somebody, talk. To that yeah. someone yes. and just be being in the moment uh because you will then notice that it's a very different experience i think there was a study that said that's that said that we're always five to six se- seconds ahead of us mm. <laughs> you know yeah. we're always thinking about what's going to happen in the next seven seconds but if we take a couple of steps back and be in this second that has just transpired then we've just uh experienced mindfulness so uh Billy, based on what we've discussed today, what is that one action step that you'd like to recommend for our listeners?
1: Yeah. So one thing is, can I say two things? <laughs> two things yeah, that are sure. coming up. One, one is to really pour your energy and emotions into the stuff that matters. And this is something that I've been practicing lately. I, I have been so focused on like more more petty things in life and it's totally sucking my energy away from what really matters. So, you know, and this comes back to the word priorities, you know, really figuring out like what are your priorities in life and and putting your energy there. You know, and I feel like this makes all of the little stuff that can often stress us out so much just kind of fall away. So, so that's kind of more kind of a big picture idea. Um and and something else is drink water and I know this sounds so simple but I notice a huge shift in my life and the life of clients when we are dehydrated and I don't know who was it it was like somebody like Tony Robbins and he said you know whenever I'm feeling like just totally out of sorts if I'm feeling really emotional in a negative way I know that I need to drink some water. And, and the practice that I have my clients do is every time they take a sip of water, just envisioning that it's almost like this fluid of relaxation that's pouring into them. And it's just washing away whatever is in their body and their life that they don't want anymore.
0: Action Tribe, to access today's show notes, uh, visit my7chakras.com forward slash 226. That's my7chakras.com forward slash 226. And before moving on, a word from our sponsor, Gaia.com. darkness cannot drive out darkness only light can do that hate cannot drive out hate only love can do that this is a fabulous quote i'm not sure who the uh, the author is or the person who put this together is, but it's a beautiful quote. Action Tribe, if there is any sort of darkness in your life right now, whether it's a health challenge that you're facing or a financial issue or a relationship challenge, remember that the darkness can only be driven out by light, the light that you have within yourself at all times. The light is in the beginning nothing but a flicker inside your heart but once you focus more on your heart once you bring your consciousness into your heart center once you get used to being in your heart the flame the little flame uh, gets transformed into a valiant fire and that fire my friend will transform the seeming darkness that is in your heart into light and love So Bailey, I'm sure that you are no stranger to challenges, so talk to us about one major life challenge that you had to go through in your life. What exactly did that entail, and then how did you get out of it?
1: Yeah, well, um, probably the biggest challenge that ended up being the biggest blessing in my life was my pregnancy with my son, it was unplanned. And my partner, Eric and I, while we were in a loving relationship, we, we were not ready. Um, or we didn't think that we were ready to have children. The universe had other plans. Um, and that was a a really, um, it was very emotional. And, you know, the first few weeks of that, there was a lot of confusion and a lot of fear and a lot of doubt. And, and what I, experienced, you know, after I kind of moved through the darker aspects of it was that, oh my gosh, you know, there's this like gut instinct in me. My, my intuition is yelling at me that this is the path that you are supposed to walk. And, and you might not know exactly what it's going to look like and how your life will shift, but you need to walk down this path. And it changed my life in so many ways. I mean, of course I have my beautiful son and now I'm a mother and, and that in itself is, is so amazing and miraculous, but it also led me to really my, my true calling for my career in, in so many ways. You know, what I'm doing now fills me with a sense of purpose and passion and it all came from an unexpected challenge. Um, And so yeah, I, I think that even if we face something that in the moment seems completely overwhelming and we have no idea how we're going to move through it, if we can just find that like inkling of trust somewhere deep within us that, okay, for whatever reason, this is something I need to move through. And and even though I'm scared, I'm excited to see where this leads me.
0: So what is it? one major life challenge or one major life lesson based on the challenge that we spoke about uh, that you'd like to share with our listeners uh, today in just one sentence.
2: Yeah,
1: that, that the beauty in life really lives in the unknown.
0: Well, thanks a lot for sharing that story with us. Uh, you said that the biggest challenge was actually your pregnancy because it was unplanned. And although at the first you felt that you weren't ready, uh, there was a lot of, uh, you know, doubting, a lot of fear, worry, anxiety, I'm sure, during the initial stages, uh, at a certain point, you were able to tap into your instincts, your gut instinct and listen to your intuition. And you were able to along with your husband, accept the road that was ahead. And uh, you took steps towards that. And, and, And over a period of time, because of your experience, you were able to help others. And that sort of shaped your career as well. Uh, because that's exactly what we're talking about today Uh, and and i like this uh, story because of what you shared earlier is that the process of pregnancy allows you to go through an experience which seems like pain but if you change your relationship with pain you will be able to transcend other challenges and other difficulties in the future as well and i think a lot of our listeners will be able to take that into their lives and apply it so thanks for sharing
1: It's my pleasure, yeah.
0: So, Action Tribe, if you've listened so far, it means that you are a true and true action taker, and I salute you for that. By sticking around, you've made a choice. You could have done so many other things, you could have done anything else, but you decided to listen to this episode till the very end. We all have choices to make, and these choices determine the situations that we find ourselves in. And the situations and our internal state determine how we react to these situations. But no matter where we find ourselves, we must always remember that we have the choice. Even before taking life in this physical plane, we made a choice in our soul contract, we decided who we would meet, what challenges we would have and the type of lessons we would learn. So we aren't new to the idea of choice, but sometimes like we're learning today in the chaos of things that are taking place around us and within us, we might forget that we indeed have that choice. So I take this opportunity to remind you, my friend, that you have the power within you and the choice to make a decision. And like Alan Cohen once said, every choice before you represents the universe inviting you to remember who you are and what you want. So Bailey, what is your life's calling as on today?
1: My life's calling is to support a new life and to make that life more harmonized and balanced for all involved.
0: That's amazing. Thanks for sharing. And uh, we've come to the last round for today, which is called the Wisdom Round. And the goal of this round is to provide our listeners steps and actions that they could write down and then go out into the world and, um, you know, try out. So my first question is, what is the best advice that someone has ever given you? Maybe a mentor, a friend, family member, but what's the best advice that someone has ever given you?
1: (laughs) Yeah, probably to stop sweating the petty stuff. And and I think I kind of mentioned this earlier, uh, to care about the stuff that matters and to figure out what matters to you first.
0: Name one personal habit that keeps you strong.
1: Exercising. My perspective on everything shifts after I exercise.
0: And what is your morning routine like? What do you do during the first two hours of your day?
1: Yeah, the first thing is I drink a lot of water, about thirty ounces or so. I. I try to meditate if my son is not also awake for about like 10, 20, 30 minutes if I'm lucky. Then I start exercising. Sometimes my son wakes up during that time. And so I'll pause. I'll help him transition into being awake, maybe get him breakfast. Then I'll finish exercising, get us both dressed and go on into our day.
0: Wonderful. So how old is your son now?
1: He just turned four.
0: Oh, cool. So I think that's a new book in, in store then. You know, yes, taking care of your children from exactly one to yes. seven because that's such a critical stage, right? <laughs>
1: right, yeah. Well, actually, the proposal I'm working on now is for the book Feng Shui Toddler, <laughs> so you're right. No way, yeah, that's amazing.
0: That's a, that's a brilliant guess on my part. So, well, exactly. name one book that you'd like to recommend for our listeners today,
1: yeah. So, um this book, it's it's a little bit irreverent, but it, it's been really amazing for me. It's the book, um, it's called Girl Boss. It's kind of an older book. It came out a few years ago. Um, but for me, I'm somebody that I kind of think of myself as a chronic people pleaser. Sometimes I try to please everybody else um before myself. And so this has been a really neat inspirational book for me to really tune in to what my needs are and and realizing that I deserve to have those needs met as well.
0: Awesome. So Action Tribe, I know that you treasure our book recommendations. And I know that so many of you purchase these books as soon as you hear them shared on My 7 Chakras. And that's why Audible.com is offering Action Tribe one free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial so that you can get to check out that service. Now, in case you don't know, Audible.com has over 180,000 titles to choose from for your devices, iPhone, Android, or Kindle, including bestsellers like The Chakra System by Anadia Judith, who was on our show autobiography of a yogi by paramahansa yogananda and a new earth by eckhart tolle to download your free audiobook today again it's not reading the book it's listening to the book so you can have maybe the author list you know speak to you share the story with you to download your free audiobook today go to www.my7chakras.com forward slash free book. Once again, that's my7chakras.com forward slash free to start listening to your favorite book as well as this particular book that was recommended today, Girl Boss. So Bailey, thank you so much for uh, spending your time with us today, sharing your story, sharing uh, what you do, your work, and the difference that you've made in people's lives. Uh, before you go, tell us one thing that you're grateful for and tell us the best way we can find you online.
1: Oh, yes. The one thing that I am grateful for is the ever-changing nature of life. Everything is always changing, and I think that's beautiful. Um, and you can find me on my website, baileygaddis.com. And my book can be found on Amazon, all major bookstores, and through my website as well.
0: Got it. There you go, Action Tribe. Um, if you resonated with what was shared during the show, if you are in the stages of pregnancy or you're considering getting pregnant in the near future, then I highly recommend this book to you because I've gone through this book myself. A lot of uh, information given here. We weren't able to obviously cover up all of it. But uh, if you do get the book, you will be able to go through it at your own uh, leisure. The link you need is BaileyGaddis.com, B-A-I-L-E-Y-G-A-double-D-I-S.com. We'll have the link up in the show notes as well. Uh, Bailey, thank you so much for coming on our show, talking to us about feng shui, especially during pregnancy and the mind-body-spirit connection and taking our listeners one step closer do a human revolution.
1: It was my pleasure AJ. Thank you so much.
2: You're listening to My Seven Chakras. Go to my SEVENchakras.com. Download your free gift, get inspired and take action. Transform your life today.